Hey, Vox ATL listeners, this is Tyler Bay, one of your contributors, and I'm here with... Frank Eisenberg. I'm a student at the New School, uh, 21 years old. Um, I'm a trans man. I'm living here in New York City. I'm uh, learning about interior design. That's kind of what I'm, that's what I do at the New School. Um, yeah, I'm from Los Angeles, though, originally. Awesome. Yeah, so we are just going to jump in with these questions. We um, have been in our own separate locations during this time. The date is June 3rd, and so obviously there are lots of um, protests and riots going on, and so some of that will be part of our conversation. I'm saying the date because if something significant happens and we don't talk about it, that's because it didn't happen yet. Yeah. So my first question for you, Frank. How can white LGBT individuals show allyship with their Black and POC counterparts? I think that's a really good question. I think that, um, I think I've been seeing a lot of people in my community talking about this more than I've ever seen them talk about this on the internet, which is good. But I also think that that is a question it's interesting to ask me because I'm a white man. So it's almost like through this time, I've realized that the best thing I can do is, is stop talking and to listen to, to black people and to listen to black queer people specifically that are telling me how I can help them versus me sitting alone with my white self trying to figure out how to help um, other people and not asking them directly. Um, so for me, um, what I've been trying to do, I mean, what I've always done, I guess, uh, but more often lately, just with what's, what's been happening and with the idea of um, a lot of black trans people out there protesting and at risk of being arrested is um, I posted um, a link in my bio for um, a organization called the Emergency Release Fund that was started last year um, when a trans woman was found dead um, in Rikers Island after she couldn't pay her $500 bail. Um, so basically the, um, the fund just goes directly to LGBTQ, um, black, black LGBTQ people that need help uh, paying their funds um, to get out of jail. So I guess that is one of, I guess that is is one way like um, I think fiscal literal financial support giving what you can reparations financially not just um, not just you know making uh, your timeline more diverse or making your conversations more j just literally giving money to people that don't um, that need your money to survive literally I guess is what I would recommend. Um, and obviously, just every single time you see a GoFundMe for a Black trans woman specifically that needs help getting a surgery or needs help with her hospital bills because she's been beaten up, whatever it is, like, it's something that I've made a vow to, like, never scroll past one of those things. Um, so, yeah. And that's an awesome answer. And I will say that when I did ask to interview you, the political atmosphere was very different. With my own like personal reflection, I was like, hmm, what 
what am I saying, like interviewing a white person during this mm-hmm. time. But I do think that it's very valuable to have white people speak right now because black people have been saying these same things for a long time. But if white people can weaponize their privilege and if I can be um, a part of that, I think that that is a way to get to change. I've seen a lot of videos of white people like guarding black protesters. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts of like physically weaponizing your privilege? My thoughts of physically weaponizing your privilege is absolutely. I think that if you have, if you are not, if you do not have trauma and you, you are not at risk of, I guess, a lot of white people in, especially in New York City, if they're arrested, they get what's called a desk appearance ticket, which means like it's kind of a freebie, like you get arrested and you go home. Yeah. Um, and a lot of black people are not um, given that luxury of getting a desk appearance ticket. They and it, they end up waiting in county or something until their bail is set or whatever it is, even if it's a small misdemeanor. Um, so I absolutely think that it's not only imperative that we physically put ourselves in between uh, police officers and black bodies, but but not only for their safety, but also for the fact that when they're arrested, it's a very different story. Um, that being said, uh, I myself inhabit a lot of fear of the police being a trans man, which is something I struggle with, I guess, but also like yeah, I'm constantly struggling with like what my fear looks like versus a black trans man's fear. And it's one thing to give financial reparations, but also it's important to physically put yourself in harm's way at some point. Yeah, because videotaping obviously isn't going to do anything. Um, the only thing that would, obviously, you know, you see in that video of George Floyd dying, like I've only seen it once because it's obviously just like really hard to watch, but. I just kept thinking to myself, like, what if someone had just, like, physically removed him? And then in that moment, you realize that no one can because it's the police. Like, you can't physically. You can't. It's just insane because usually if, you know, a random person had their neck, had their knee in someone's neck, like, a fight would start. Obviously, whether you're trans or not, your your experience in being arrested um, and your experience in everything is going to be less so. And when I've been when I've been arrested before, it's been really scary. But I've also thought the entire time, like, wow, this would be so different if I was black. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky, but it's also not that tricky. Like, it's just like yes, the answer is yes. A lot of what you said reminded me of Stonewall, and yeah. um, a lot of the first instances of LGBT pride were riots against police brutality. And so there's a parallel there. And then there's lots of discussion about like comparing news headlines and uh, articles from like the 60s to present. And so I'm thinking if white people have become more tolerant over time or if nothing really has changed, you have 
access to more white people in your family and, and I'm sure in your circles. And so can you kind of talk about how, has there been a shift in the conversation that you're having now or? Yeah, I would say when I was really in the closet, I think growing up, it was really difficult for me to bring up um, and even though I consistently had different opinions than my parents or the, than my extended family when it came to politics or social justice issues, like um, I had a really hard time uh, voicing those opinions, I think just because I, there was so much I wasn't dealing with myself. Although it's difficult um, to not just turn a blind eye to like what you're, sometimes it can be really uncomfortable to have conversations and, and people are set in their ways. Um, but there's a lot of grandparents and a lot of parents that have access to money that really young people don't have. Um, and so, uh, yes, um, not only have I been posting on my Instagram in hopes that people will donate to different things, but the truth is, is like, I can see how many people actually click on links and stuff. Um, and the truth is, is like, it's not as many as you would hope. If you're not calling your, if you're not calling extended family that has more money than you, then, then you're really not doing your part. So, directly getting on the phone to people that you know have money, um, especially white people, you just you know have twenty, thirty bucks to spare. Um, yeah. So, also just put it into perspective. You know, me coming out as trans, like if my if my parents didn't have a trans son, then they wouldn't know about so many things that are a part of the trans community. I don't know. I, I think I, it's really hard for me to talk to my parents about trans issues because I'm like, oh, like, I don't even like talking to them about my own issues. Um, but I think it's been a really hard thing, transition, because it really, like, makes things, like, you have to, it's right there. You have to deal with it because you have to ask your parents for permission for things and like they need to sign things like if you're under 18 and you come out and all this stuff so it, it makes it very like a lot of you know parents that wouldn't be exposed to the trans community especially the black trans community are because um but it's also up to white trans people to make that the case so yeah what would you say to white younger people who have different political views than their parents during this time? How can they start conversations, um, but also be protected? It's tough. I think it's subjective, obviously, to your situation. I think the tough thing that I've even talked about a little bit on my Instagram once with coming out, and you know, there's a lot of people that just have really homophobic parents also. So um, it's it can be really dangerous to voice um, can be dangerous to voice the opinions of others because doing so outs yourself maybe. And I, and I think that everyone has a responsibility to protect their physical body, obviously. And the truth is that there are maybe some people, there are maybe some situations out there that advocating for yourself or others could result in, you know, your parents cutting you off or something like that. So in most cases, I guess my advice would be um, to not fear your parents. Um, I think one thing I've tried to remember is that 
your parents are most more likely to listen to you as a young person than they are to listen to other random young people. If anyone has um, a shot at talking to your parents and and to convincing them to redistribute their funds or check multiple news sources besides CNN, CNN or MSNBC, because there's a lot of, I think, uh, older liberal families, white and black probably, that really like rely on those news sources as accurate. And like in the last few days, never before, to be honest, have I noticed that those news sources are not accurate always, like as much as they are like better than Fox News, like they're still not giving you the whole story. Um, and a lot of like older people, they don't really go on Instagram. They don't really go on Twitter. There's shit that I wouldn't have known unless I'd been like on Instagram for the last seven days, like seeing shit and like looking up the Black Lives Matter hashtag and looking at videos. Like you wouldn't be able to know that. So, so yeah, consistently, you know, literally sending your parents videos of shit, sending your parents links of shit, not let, not trusting that they can educate themselves on this, on this matter, I guess is what I would say. So, I, I agree. So when I see like white people protecting protesters, my first instinct is like, wow, that's, I don't think I could do that if, I hate this phrase, I hate this phrase, but if the roles were reversed, right? Like I, would I even be, be brave enough to, to do that? And then I think about it, think about it and I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's an excellent way to weaponize your privilege. Maybe that should be the expectation hearing you talk about um, white people being careful in their homes to not piss off their parents and put themselves in danger and I'm thinking like should that be the expectation and like you said if a white person gets kicked out of their house and disowned by their parents there's lots of resources for them yeah absolutely should white people be expected to put themselves in danger for the sake of racial progress in America. And I know I asked that already, but even like even in their homes, even when they're queer, even when it's random encounters on the street, should that be the expectation? Or is it just something nice to see on Instagram and on Twitter? I think it would be, um only right for me to say it should be the expectation if the expectation from white people is also that that progress is going to be made after this or that like in 10 years or when they have kids their kids won't be going out and protesting the same thing um because it's something my mom has been saying a lot when I've been upset is like well you don't I've lived through this like since blah 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 because my mom was born in 1956 or whatever but I'm like well you haven't really lived through through anything really because it's it's still like the same story so I so yes I think that the expectation should be that uh white people should be able to do that it's just hard because yeah that's my expectation but will that ever happen I don't know because I've been having this thing on my Instagram where I've come from this really like demanding place of people do you think that progress in the white community has to happen with that demand like with that. Yes, I don't think that I don't think progress will come unless that's the case. There's been there's been certain laws passed in America to protect minorities, but there's been no change in the way that we've done policing. There's been no progress. There's been no laws put in place. There's been nothing like that. 
yeah, I think until white people are able to put um, their own safety at risk for a black person, then I fear that the next 100 years will not be, will not be different. I don't know, part of me is hopeful that like, that like, as we enter the ninth day of protests, I'm like, wow, like, every other week of like, backlash after a police um, murder like this has lasted like five, six days. So as we enter the eighth day, I do have this sense of like, hope, of hope. I guess my hope is that if enough persistence and peaceful protests and create like a sense of peaceful chaos, but still chaos of having like hundreds of people down housed in like every day um, in New York City, like um, that the government will have to step in and make some sort of change um, quick and fast. And it is something that I haven't seen before, I guess, is like this idea of the fact that people in all 50 states are protesting, white and black, and I do think that that's imperative also. I don't know, like, no change has been met yet. Like, obviously, there's a lot of people emailing, there's a lot of people in the streets. The interesting thing about talking to a white person during this time when my instinct is to just, like, interview black people, the change happens with the key holders to power, and those are the white people. And so talking about this, hopefully, will get people to realize that it's the burden of Black people, but really, it's not us that can actually sign the paperwork to make the change. I say that, and then my fear is that the change that will happen will be change that is at the expense of Black people. Um, For instance, the curfew and the mass arrests and the violence against Black people. And then I get to a place where I don't know if weaponizing white privilege is enough. And then I get to a place where like, well, is anything enough? This idea of progress, is it even real in the white community? If you're white and you grow up in a systemic racist society, then we all, anyone that's white that grows up in that is going to have some serious racism that they have to work to dismantle every day. The people that are on Instagram right now that are white and are trying to be some sort of voice or trying to direct their platform to Black voices, those people, there's obviously talk of progress in that community. Like there's those conversations happening, those tough maybe conversations. And maybe those people are having those tough conversations with their parents and their white counterparts. That being said, there's a lot of people that are over the age of 27 and don't work to uh, stay connected to a younger community. Um, Those people, don't see a reason to connect to a younger community or a more diverse community because they're so comfortable in their privilege and they don't feel a need to step out of it because because they don't feel that they need to. It doesn't affect them. Um, so they easily, they easily disassociate from it. And I think that, that there 
that no, there's not, there's not nearly enough uh, talk of progress or feelings of progress in the general white community and the liberal white community because there's a lot of people that like are like, I don't know, I think there's a lot of like young white people that are like, oh, well, you know, I live within this neighborhood where it's like all Democrats and it's all liberal people and they love Obama and they love Hillary Clinton. And it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Um, those people, like they, their entire life is white. Like they don't have any sort of black friends. They don't buy black art. They don't watch TV shows that have everything they consume, at least for my parents specifically and, and the older white people in my life, there is a sense of distance and segregation. And you bringing up this question is just like brought a light in my head of just being like, wow, the need to engage in, because there's a lot of people in my family I don't talk to because I just am like, you are literally transphobic and awful and, and won't respect me, so I don't want to talk to you. But, but it's imperative, like, you even having to ask that question and me thinking, like, no, at first, of being like, no, there isn't progress. And what I saw last night, just the fact that there were people, all these white people coming, peeking their heads out of their apartment window, clapping for the police as they were arresting black teenagers who they did not know one 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 thing about the story i was like you don't know one you literally are you see a police officer arresting someone and you're clapping that's all you know and this is in a neighborhood like this is new york which is a blue state or whatever and like um i probably would bet that a lot of these people that were clapping also are democrats but it's like we need it needs to go further and it needs to start with um young white people like myself need to feel a pressure to to educate to educate to educate and to and to like berate these people in our lives who who don't who don't make any space for for black voices at all yeah yeah so what can white people who are in your situation who are surrounded by people who think that they're doing the right thing or that they think they're that they're democratic or even people who uh, have very opposite opinions than you i think the knee-jerk reaction is to disassociate but like you said there needs to be more work in the community so what would you say to white people in white communities what how would you tell them to make change off of social media i mean yeah for real people um yeah i would say I would say that the thing to do, I mean, is to challenge them um, verbally. If you're, if you're, if you have the pleasure of not being, um, cause you're right. I mean, I think why you mentioned social media is like, there's a lot of older people that aren't plugged into those types of um, media outlets in person. The idea is to bring up uh, topics that are super uncomfortable and that you may know what their answer is going to be when you talk to them and that you disagree with them and to challenge them to a point of of not letting like okay we agree to disagree be the ending of the conversation some people are truly truly racist and homophobic and transphobic and i'm not sure if you can change their mind i guess my advice and what i've done in my own circle is if i've tried to educate people 
let them know exactly what I think, exactly the facts, and they are looking at me in the eye and continuously telling me that they don't respect a community, then I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to see that person anymore, you know, I guess, which, I, and I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. I'm not looking for, for any answer because I don't have any answers. I, I had this same thing happen with one of my friends at my school who was a Trump supporter that like left the school. I came up to him and I was like, I, I've seen what you've been saying about this whole situation about the police and I just want to talk about it. And I did talk with him for a while, but eventually I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm just, I think yeah. I'm done here and I'm going to unfriend you now. Right. But I don't know if that was like in my head, like what I guess social media has taught me is like cut off toxicity. Like if your right. family talks, cut them off. But with change in mind, it is cutting people off the, because then they won, like. Yeah, then they won, yeah. Not won, but then nothing happens. Yeah. Healthier. That, that's something that I really, here's the thing, like, I. Exhausting. Um, There's a lot of, like, transphobic people online, for sure. And when you're openly trans or you're openly gay or openly queer on social media, there's also going to be people that, because I've done the whole, like, um, angrily tried to convince someone of something else or peacefully tried to convince them of something else, right? And when people are truly, truly racist or truly, truly ignorant people, there's going to be times when they, when it is going to be, like, impossible to convince them. And to be honest, I've had moments of just, like, really having my day completely ruined because I spent so much of it fighting with someone who is so so hateful and it and and in turn i've you know blocked them or whatever they move on with their day i'm not sure what kind of day they had but i know that i had an awful day in which there are even moments when sometimes what they said or what their feelings are it gets in my head and even though i was telling them they're stupid in my head i'm thinking damn like they said that thing about me and it's kind of bothering me like blah 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 and so that's why I made this Instagram that I did, the really hot and strong voice thing, because I was spending so much time combating people online, getting my feelings hurt, and instead of doing that, I would rather talk to my own community, uplift them, because I feel that I can do, at least in certain specific cases, there are cases where you really do have a chance of changing someone's opinion because some people are smart and they do have an open mind. They're, and they're just not educated, which is totally valid. Um, and then there's some people that are truly ignorant and you will not be able to convince them otherwise. At least in my opinion, I find I feel better and I feel like I do more by then putting my efforts towards someone who needs my help uplifting them, creating power within your own community. Yeah, I agree. Yes, it's important to have those conversations, but also, like, I totally know how you feel when you're just like, oh, okay, I just spent two hours fighting with you and now I'm blocking you. Yeah. Something that you said made me realize that progress is going to happen very, very slowly. We probably won't see what we're looking for in our lifetimes, no matter what we do. Yeah. Um, and that's just what it is and why this 
issue of racial inequality in America has lasted so long is because it's going to last a long time to get to real change. And so I think it's important to uplift your own community so that we can survive and, and um, continue to have our, our energy to fight what we can change. Um, and I think that was really, really smart to say. And so, I also think, I totally forgot to say this about convincing your, your family or just people that are ignorant or people that are maybe not, have not made their ignorance known to you, but they're ignorant in the way that they just don't have any sort of like black people around them or like black gay people, black trans people specifically around them. One good way I think to, um, to educate is is by sharing um, art and sharing voices of Black people. I think it's important to, because that's a huge way people like are able to humanize other people is by like ex sharing experience. I don't know, like I've had, I feel like it's been really important for me at least, like I've shown my parents different movies um, like Tangerine, which is a movie made by a white gay guy, but it is, completely um it's a it's a trans woman's story it's an amazing film um and it's two trans women basically doing improv the whole time showing what it's like to really be a trans sex worker in los angeles also my friend tourmaline is a filmmaker she has a movie called happy birthday marcia about marcia p johnson that's incredible um and she never got the funds to finish it to just expose people to what they're missing out on because if they don't know any black people, if they don't know any black trans people, they're not gonna care about those people because they don't know about them. They don't see them, they don't see their faces. So forcing them to see their faces in also contexts that aren't just like, oh, this trans woman's dying, please give her money. But also showing them videos of, of art made by trans black women. To, you know what I mean? I feel like that can be even more impactful on the long term than than only exposing people to, to like the tragedy of trans life. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I do mostly agree. And I, the only thing that I am wondering about is whether consumption is the only way that we know black people anyway. And so I think to take that a step further, not you can't just only watch TV shows and movies and of course. because that's what we already do, whether we like it or not. And inevitably, like you said, I'm sure that's a great um, piece of work, but a lot of white people do take um, a story that's not theirs for their whatever endeavors they have. Absolutely. So I think it's important to, um, educate yourself that way and expose yourself that way, but also expand your circle and, and meet people. And Absolutely. And introducing your white counterparts to um, your trans community or your community that that is more diverse. Yeah. Is also a great way. I mean, like, yeah, again, like my parents would have never met any trans girls, any black trans girls if I hadn't yeah, so it's important, yeah, it's important to expand, to introduce people to actual people, obviously, not just the art, but I do think that consuming art that's not just by white people, specifically, especially Tourmaline's film and stuff like that, like films, um, there's not, really not that many, and that's because people aren't watching them, so 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's another film. Yeah. That's another thing I also just, there, there's a Netflix documentary. I think it's still up. It's about Marsha P. Johnson. And a lot of people don't know that a white gay guy made that movie and completely stole all of Tourmaline's research mm. um, and pitched it to Netflix and got like a huge check to finish it, blah, blah, blah. So it's really important to just like, like what you were saying about Tangerine, like Tangerine is made by a white man. Like, It's important to, to seek out like to literally, because it's not going to be right on your Netflix page. You know what I mean? Like it's, we're not there yet. Like you need to seek out trans art. Like, yeah. I mean, I hope that as we get older and, and, and other people aren't here anymore, that, that change also comes from that. Yeah. I think that's a perspective. I had this, this one thing that I actually wrote down and not just made up talking to you. Yeah. I'm sorry I threw away all those no, questions. No, no worries. I don't care. <laughs> okay, because I spent a while making these questions, and I'm like, hmm, I never used them. So what is your biggest hope for the trans community moving into the future? Um, my biggest hope is that... My biggest hope is literally that... Um, that through um, more trans people being more open about their experience that that education comes and that I, because my biggest hope is that my children and that further generations down the line are able to live in a world where the, where it isn't like an 85% suicide attempt rate if they're trans and that they don't have to wake up knowing that, living that, that um, that the black trans woman life expectancy rate isn't 35. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that, is that more prosperity comes to our community through education um, and that more opportunity is given to trans people to work, to hold jobs, because that's everything. I mean, of course, like, the suicide rate is 85% if like, you know, most of the trans population is unemployed and like, there's so many, you know, there's no access, if you're unemployed, there's no access to healthcare, there's no access to being able to see a therapist or get access to hormones. Like I wanted to kill myself until I was on testosterone. So um, yeah, my hope is that, uh, my hope is for, for the trans community that we get universal healthcare in this country because yeah. honestly, that would that would probably bring it down to fifty percent at least. I hope so. Yeah. Um. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much. Of course. I think I am. I think I am done. I'm going to stop the. Well, I guess I should. First of all, I don't. This is my first like. This is my second like Zoom interview, and the first okay. one. Okay. Don't know how to do this. Um, no worries. I'm. I don't record things. But, this is my first interview ever, so. Really? Oh. Yeah. I didn't know I'm that. like super, yeah, I'm like nervous. Like if someone were to be like, oh, a pride interview, I'm like, oh my God, are you about to ask me like all these questions that don't matter at all? Like, yeah. do you have a penis literally? You know what I mean? Like just things that are just like don't make sense. So, um, and obviously like just reading about like the Vox Atlanta thing and the fact that it's just like really for youth, like, 
that's kind of like what the Instagram I started is like the hope is just for youth to like get to see that and like because I know if I had grown up getting to see that I would have been like oh like trans boys can be hot trans boys can be awesome like they can be loved and cared for like I maybe I'm brave enough to come out then um and so wait I have a thought but I'm going to and yeah. I'm going to stop recording yeah um, thank you for listening for more teen created content please visit voxato.org stay safe